Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and I'm here to watch Buffy, not an after-school special. And uh, I'm Jason, and I thought it was Sage, too. (laughs) Harrison, which of your favorite episodes are we watching this week? <laughs> we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 10, Wrecked. This is the one where Willow goes to a magic drug dealer and gets Dawn into a car accident. Remember that scene in uh, Wet Hot American Summer where they're all just in that heroin den? <laughs> you get one of those scenes here. <laughs> oh my god. Um... Uh, Wrecked was written by Marty Noxon. Mm, Marty... Not your, not your best work. And it was directed by David Solomon. Oh, originally sorry. aired on November 27th, 2001. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jason's lines are my lines now. <laughs> Apologies, Jason. I don't know why. You... <laughs> uh, all right, hit it. Jason. Harrison. What are you drinking today? Um, vodka martini. Nice. Nice. And it was shaken. Beautiful. I am drinking a gin and tonic. Uh, not shaken. Uh, because that is not how you prepare such a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to do a toast to... A toast to Allison Hannigan, who does everything she can to elevate some not great material. Um, And despite the problems I have with this episode, they are not with her. I think she actually does a very admirable admirable job in this episode, especially in that final scene. Can can I throw something onto your toast? Yeah, fuck yeah. Like butter or peanut butter toast no like i legitimately <laughs> want to uh a, it always sucks when a local business closes especially if it's one that you like um unfortunately found out i think yesterday or today i can't remember which which it was but uh heroes comic and games uh down on baxter mm-hmm. is permanently closed oh um it was uh it was a really cool place to um unfortunately not the first uh gaming shop that's been closed in recent history but it was a really cool place they had like a really nice area that was full of like arcade games and comic books but also like uh um like miniature painting supplies for tabletop games and they were like a ton of ton of gaming stuff and they were also one of the coolest things about them was that they usually stayed open late like they were I think before COVID they were open after midnight oh wow yeah because they would like you know just go late having like playing D&D or uh, playing like magic or anything like that and had a lot of cool resources and I never had a never had a single complaint about the place um it was really nice and uh I was just there like a month or two ago while uh some friends some friends of mine were waiting to go into a restaurant like right across the street Mm -hmm. 
And uh, yeah, it just it, it sucks that they're gone. So I mean, but hell of an establishment. Wish you all the best. Yeah, cheers. Ooh, that was very satisfying. All right, let's dive in, shall we? Uh, we open on Tara and Dawn. Uh, they wake up. Uh, in the morning uh, to discover that uh, Buffy and Willow, neither of them came home uh, because they were both, we know what they were doing. Um, (laughs) uh, So Dawn's kind of in a bit of a panic, which fair, um, considering the lives that they lead. Um, In all fairness, I think, uh, I think, Tara was in a panic first. Oh, yeah. Tara's absolutely in a panic as well. But she just doesn't... She Dawn has the privilege of being the kid in the situation who gets to wear her panic openly. And Tara is the grown-up who is panicking but also has to, like, keep that like that facade of, of, of calm for so, Dawn's sake. So how old do you think Dawn is, like, non-key-wise? I think it's... Do you think she's a sophomore in high school right now? Let's see. I think... Because she's definitely in high school. She's definitely in high school. I think she's a freshman. I think she's... I think she said she was 14. Okay. Either way... I I don't know. Maybe my experience is different. But I feel like I was able to, like, you know... I wouldn't worry about being at home alone um, for, like... Back when I was in sixth grade. Yeah. Um, And... Maybe even before them, but then again, I did have my older brother there. I mean, and I get that, like, you know, there's a lot of supernatural stuff yeah. to worry about out there, but, uh, I don't know. Like, this this is, again, like, a little bit of the writing down Don's age. I disagree, because I think there's a big difference between being home alone and waking up to find that your guardians are not at home without any explanation. Well, I okay. think that would be scary. Uh, well, no, no, I'm not, I am not, um, I'm not, like, trying to say that Dawn's reaction is improper, that, that's fine, but, um, the fact that, and the fact that, like, you know, Tara's like, oh, like, uh, somebody should have been here that, like, last night, and, you know, Buffy can be out late patrolling, um, who knows what Willow's up to? Uh, <laughs> we'll find out. But no, it just—I it, don't know. It—it it just seems weird that at this point they're like, they're so worried about Dawn having like a babysitter or something, even though she's fourteen. And again, it just—it—it it, it feels like it's kind of like writing Dawn younger than mm-hmm. she act than Michelle Trachtenberg is, and it just comes across as weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm i not saying that her reaction is wrong. Yeah. Just, I don't know. I just feel... I feel like it's less about Dawn... In this instance, it's less about Dawn needing a babysitter and more like, where the fuck are they? Like, yeah. It's, it's weird that they didn't come home. Yeah. And something could have happened. I mean, Dawn is so worried about the ditches that Joyce <laughs> always talked about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did like that line because... Um, I, it, Mom always talks about the ditches. It's so it, it's such a parent thing. The ditches. You're dead in a ditch. Well, somewhere. yeah. What if I found you in a ditch somewhere? <laughs> um, here's a question. Yes. Do you make up your bed? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Like the fact that 
The fact that not only were um, both Buffy and Willow's beds like made up, but made up pristinely. Yeah. Like Buffy even like, for lack of a better word, garnished her bed with that <laughs> teddy bear, like that single teddy bear, like it, like they were having an open house or something. <laughs> um, I am like, so I'm not a person who makes up their bed. However. Because, like, honestly, it just seems like, oh, it's a bit of a time waste. Yeah. Um, especially if, like, you know, you're the only person who's in your house. I can get, like, maybe making it up when you're having, like, company over. Uh, but I have heard, like, the philosophy that a lot of people use for making up their bed that when it's not just plain out of habit. There's, there's like, the philosophy that I always want, like, I've heard people say that they always want to start their day with making their bed. Because even if they did nothing else that day, they still made their bed. So it's kind of like you start off with a, with like a check in the wind yeah. column. It's a tiny win, but it's a win nonetheless. Yeah, I, I guess I can see that. I don't subscribe to that philosophy myself. But yeah, I just, I, I'm kind of with you. I just, I just think it's a bit of a waste of time. Like, yeah, like you said, we don't, we don't like, as a matter of, we don't typically let people into our bedroom. Like, our, when we have company, the bedroom doors stay shut. Like, very rarely are we, like, you know, the only people who go in there typically are John and I. Um, but, yeah, it's like, I'd rather do other things. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I gotcha. But, I mean, it also, yeah, it also doesn't take a lot of time. And as of lately, I, like, every time I remember to, which may be, like, once a week, <laughs> I, I try, like, making up my bed. And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, it, it does It does make the room look a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm not saying, like, it's a pigsty in my room, but still. I, I was just wondering. Yeah. Because I know people who, like, do legit, like, make up their bed every day. Um, for different reasons. I also, I know that, obviously, Buffy and Willow aren't home, but, like, they didn't even bother to knock before going into their rooms, like... I, I would have at least knocked first, even if I suspected that. Well, they were you there. know, when you gotta, when you've been living with a bunch of lesbians for the past couple months, I mean, all rules of etiquette go out the window. I don't think that's the case. I know that was that that, that was a stupid, uh, a stupid ignorant person talking. Um, uh, over at the destroyed house, uh, yeah, the fuck shack, the fuck shack, fuck shack. Uh, Buffy awakens. Uh, she's freaked out. She gets dressed. Uh, and it's toxic and bad and oh, gross. Like unlike the other scenes. In- I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, this is, and you know, like it, it shows off in uh, in the scene where Buffy and Spike are looking for Dawn. But yeah, this is, and I think. This storyline is undercut by one trying to make it parallel to the Willow storyline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, which I get that like you show you want to show your two main characters going through shit, but it just doesn't. There's a dissonance between these two that doesn't make it that really looks like it's reaching for a parallel. Yeah, um, and also. It's very just like, oh, Spike is now, I don't know, it's it's very much a depiction of like, Spike is kind of like the, 
on the surface the worst person in this pairing mm-hmm. um even though like you know even though like buffy i mean uh it's it's hard to explain this because well, it's i mean just the dynamic coming from both of them is toxic yeah and deliberately so like i i when i am saying this i'm i'm not trying to be like it's a problematic story because it's promoting it the the you know the show is well aware that this is not this is not a healthy dynamic yeah um but like you know they're both like you know buffy tells him no several times but and she gives in every time though like and you know there's we're you know we're into questionable consent she is saying no but she is also going along with it but he's also pressuring her to go along yeah, with it it's and just, it, it's just icky it's all icky um you know it's not icky though dim abs on whom <laughs> i mean both of them but <laughs> we're seeing spikes more i mean we also get like a little bit of a a little bit of like Allison Hannigan's abs as well. Oh, that's true. That um, is true. Yeah. Which is it's funny because we don't we don't get a lot of skin from Willow very often. That's... Well, and you know, I think maybe she like kind of developed like a little bit more towards Tara's uh, like clothing mindset, like, um, and obviously like later Tara. Yeah. So like it, it, it's like um, you know you're not wearing like these awkward clothes anymore. You're Maybe, like, since you're comfortable being out and gay, you can wear, like, more comfortable clothes. Maybe there's that. That's a better parallel than... <laughs> like, like, what are you doing with your hands? <laughs> Do the parallel. <laughs> like, that's a better parallel than, than like, trying to equate um, Buffy having shame sex with Spike and Willow just... Doing heroin. Jon- jonesing for magic. Ugh. Oh, and that's another thing. Uh, and we'll probably get into it more when we get there. But the fact that you're, like, kind of mixing your drug metaphors. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to just flat out say that this is, like, a bad drug like heroin, which you're trying to show off by the little den at, mm-hmm. of Rex's... Um, I hate it. Yeah. Like, then, okay, stick with that. But also, don't make the weed references. And, right? And don't make... And don't, like, do the... Like, the... Like, the way that Willow's driving her car, which is kind of more akin to drunk driving. Yeah. Like, those are very different. Those are all three very different, like, and I wouldn't even argue that the weed is ailment. Um, yeah. But, yeah, they're three very different scenarios. E- even before they even get in the car, Willow is acting more like she's drunk than... And, no, I'm, I, I'm prepared to be corrected on this because, quite frankly, I've never been around a lot of people who are, are on heroin. But that which Willow's doing in that scene before they... While they're walking, like... It does look. She does seem more like a drunk person than mm-hmm. I would expect someone who is on like a harder drug. Yeah, it's a, it's a mixed because I feel like that even just the popular depictions of um, yeah. of people on these hard drugs, unless it's cocaine, and yeah. they're not like running, they're always like lying on a on a bed or a couch. Right. So it's just yeah. It's that's it's, it's like. It, you're, you've already got like a really weak story and you're not doing yourself yeah. any favors. I just, you know, this is something that we talk about off mic, but now we can talk about it like for real on mic is uh, I, I have a really, really big problem with the drug stuff because one, it comes out of nowhere. Magic has never been treated like this before on the show. 
Um, it also really, quite frankly, it undercuts Willow's story. Um, it, you know, we still could have gotten to this place of, you know, Don getting hurt, this scene with between Buffy and Willow in the bedroom at the end, which I actually think is a really good scene. I, I love them actually finally sitting down and talking, um, even though it's mostly, it's pretty one-sided on Willow's side, but still, it's progress. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all of the Willow's problems with magic up to this point have been due to her arrogance, um, you know, you know, her own, you know, the, the addiction she had was her own power. Yeah. Um, and that she was... She got a, high in her own drama. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- to me, that was more interesting. And, like, this drug thing, one, it's just so heavy-handed. It, like, yeah. you know, it feels like an after-school special. It's every cliche in the book. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you're, if you're gonna do something that's, like, addicted to magic, then... Like, I don't think it would look exactly like... You made the joke while we were, like, watching the scene where, like, she first gets, like, high with Rex. How you, uh, you said, like, oh, I think they just, like, watched Train Spotting. Right. And, um, I... It seems like... We're just, we're just getting all of, like, our deep discussion yeah. out of it, like, right out, yeah. right out the gate. But it, it just feels like something that takes place in the Buffy... In the Buffyverse, typically has like a bit more difference than just like a one-to-one comparison yeah. with the real world this is like legitimately just like oh what happens if it's drug addiction but magic yeah. instead of like oh what if it's magic but you're addicted to it right it's two I, very different things yeah and that's not even getting into the fact that magic has already been used as a metaphor and it was for willow's budding queerness so that's you know, icky there too, that now it's a drug addiction. And, and, you know, I'm not assigning malice to anyone. You know, I don't, I don't think any of that was intentional, but it just, it, 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 yeah, it's just, it's disappointing to see the show take Willow's arc, which has been so strong, um, and take it in this direction. Yeah. With that said, I do think the show eventually realizes the mistake it makes and course corrects a bit, yeah. but, you know, we still have this episode. You know, it's so funny because, like, you were talking about how much... You've been talking about how much you hated this this episode for quite a while. Yeah. We've made, like, vague references to it um, without trying to be too spoilery. Um, and you'd say, like, this is probably the worst of it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So... Um, I forgot what, what point I was going to make. <laughs> I will say, I think the drug addiction like stuff oh. takes up less real estate in the actual season than it does in my head. Okay, I feel like there's yeah, always... you have been bitching about that's what, that's my thing. I was like, I was really thinking that um, because this is like my first real rewatch of Buffy mm-hmm. and Angel, and so at first I thought to myself. Um, you know, maybe if we get there, I'll have, like, a different opinion of it instead of just, like, the initial opinion that I had that's just been, like, pounded by your opinion <laughs> over and over again. But, no, I very much see, like, what you mean, how... Because for some reason in my head, I remembered it as, like, it made logical sense in the in the frame of the story. But, yeah, like, this is supposed to be Willow's arrogance, not... Like a physical addiction. 
It almost feels like maybe the writers got worried that Willow was becoming maybe too unlikable. Yeah, and like, and I just made that comment like um, during Tabula Rasa that like this is a Willow villain moment. Yeah, and now they're like kind of trying to take away from that, where the much better story is, yeah, like you know, what if it is like in Willow's hubris? Yeah, that is that is like the big bad of this season. Yeah. And the thing with this episode, too, I did mention it's, it's probably my least favorite season six episode. And what it frustrates me about that is that, you know, unlike an episode like, say, Go Fish, which I famously also really dislike, at least that one I can just ignore. I can make fun of it. I can. Yeah. It's, th- you it, can't it, ignore this episode. Yeah, yeah. That episode is like schlock. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. This episode is important to the storyline um but and there's also like no there's really nothing to make fun of in it unless you're looking for stuff like we're going to when we get on with the rest of the summer yeah (laughs) um so uh like you know the the what the goat cheese in the bra (laughs) yak cheese that was sticky yak cheese that was pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) so um Yes, Buffy, uh, Buffy and Spike have a tête-à-tête. Uh, it looks like they're about to go in for round three before Spike says, uh, "I always knew the only thing better than killing a Slayer would be," which Buffy is rightly disgusted by. Yeah, um, I mean, she's disgusted by the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, but I think at this point it's like more disgusted. And I and I gotta give props as I normally do Sarah because she has the look on her face of somebody who is disgusted with herself. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to blame myself, but I can blame this jackass. (laughs) (laughs) This is so easy to blame. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she threatens to kill him if he tells anyone. Buffy, my darling, that threat got old two seasons ago. (laughs) He will continue to be your whipping boy, only now he is your dicking boy. Yeah. Um... Tara's making pancakes for uh, for for Dawn. A little throwback of the uh, of the regular funny shapes. Yeah, I love that. Um, and yeah, I oh man, uh, when Tara's making the pancakes, it really made me like. Have you ever been? And this doesn't even necessarily have to be in a relationship, like after a relationship, but uh, probably like the best metaphor for it. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody? Relationship ends, and then you find yourself like going back to their house um, and finding them there like because like oh maybe it's like um, a friend get together mm-hmm. and you were like dating somebody in the friend group uh, or um, or even just like something as awkward as like oh you were like living in an apartment with somebody you moved out and then you like come back and like just hang out like it, di- obviously different levels of awkwardness yeah. but yeah I think it, anytime you and a relationship ends and circumstances like kind of force you into interacting again with that person it's always uncomfortable and not only like interacting with the person but interacting like at the place that you all used to share and so like you know tara finds herself and amber benson does a good job of showing like how awkward it feels to make these pancakes which you know just like a few episodes ago she was making on the reggae for dawn yeah oh so sad. Yeah. Poor Dawn. She's going the fuck through it. 
Ah, and that's not even... That's not even touching on what happens at the end. Yeah. <laughs> this whole episode, I was just like, god damn. Dawn is very much like the divided custody child of, oh, yeah. of Tara and Willow. <laughs> and Willow just, at this point, doesn't really care. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Willow gets home. She's understandably quite shocked to see, uh, to see Tara there. Tara explains that Buffy didn't come home. And uh, Amy... Amy can't keep her mouth shut. She's... <laughs> Do you think that there was, like, a point when Tara thought that uh, Willow and Amy... Like, yes. Had... Okay. Absolutely. Right. I think absolutely that's what Tara thought. Okay. Um, but then, like, she talked about, like, oh, Willow's a powerful witch and everything. Yeah. And I, I think that's almost... I feel like Tara... That's even worse for Tara. I wish... I feel like yeah. Am- Amber does a good job of of conveying that once she starts talking about the magic of like oh god I wish they'd slept together <laughs> like yeah, I wish yeah, that was it, it it turns from like surprise to disgust yeah and yeah Tara's Tara's pretty furious and she just doesn't even you know, she doesn't yes. have the she has the microcosm reaction of what is like of what Buffy's reaction is going to be at the end of the episode oh absolutely and I'm I'm proud of Tara for just you know, basically, she just gets out of there because it's not her problem. Oh, yeah. Her. She doesn't even say hi to Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy comes in. She's uh, just out. Yeah. And she, I don't, she doesn't even flip those pancakes. No. And I don't and I don't blame her when, it, when, you know, you know, the only person... And hey, like, very, very easy to spot visual, uh, visual uh, references. The pancakes, which were, like, such a nice thing of when they were all living together are burnt now yeah so so uh, <laughs> metaphors like a plenty <laughs> and none of them subtle yeah uh so yeah tara leaves as buffy is arriving home uh she explains that she was in an all-night fight okay sure buffy uh sure jam uh <laughs> did you win <laughs> <laughs> so uh Buffy this is where Buffy learns that Willow didn't come home and uh so Buffy kind of has a, this little mini freak out of like Don are you okay is and Buffy's like or Don's like I'm fine like I was just worried about y'all um and uh yeah basically everyone leaves Don because they're tired <laughs> um just I'll go to bed and Don's like I'll go find some awake people <laughs> Aww. Um, do you think she just went over to the magic box and just hung out with Xander and well, but I guess she's not there well, we, yeah we see Buffy with Xander and Anya later um, I don't know like she, she does have other friends oh yeah I guess that's true <laughs> yeah like uh, isn't a isn't her friend played by uh, Amber, Tamblin? Amber Tamblin still alive? Uh, yeah, she made it out of that episode alive. So, okay, she went over to Amber Tamblin's house. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a nice day for Dawn. I bet so. Um, she doesn't need to be hanging out with she had her a, sister's she, adult She had friends. a nice night with, uh, with Tara because they were in the middle of a game of life. And uh, they, you know, they were watching something because the TV was on when they woke mm-hmm. up. Yeah, they had a good, they had a good time. Um, in, uh, Willow's bedroom, the curtains are open. Uh, she tries to shut them via, uh, magic, which doesn't work. So she has to, 
God forbid, go close <laughs> the curtains manually. <laughs> I saw a really great, um, saw a really great comic a friend of mine did a while back, uh, right before he got out of the webcomic game. Uh, but it was, um, it showed like the fictional version of him and his wife. They were like uh, lying in bed talking about how like the, their their conversation got on to like uh, they've been in bed for a while. Their conversation got to uh, talking about Gilmore Girls, and it was right around the time that Gilmore Girls got put on the Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, "Oh my god!" And they're like, "Oh, but we have to if I like if I have to check that you're right on something, I have to get up and grab the DVD set." And then they're like, "Wait, it might be on Netflix." They turn it on, it's like, oh my god, it's streaming. Like, we're gonna die here. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Like, oh no, there's another reason to, like, just not get out of bed. <laughs> um, over at the Magic Box, uh, Xander, Anya, and uh, uh, Buffy are still researching the quote-unquote demon. Uh, I'm not well, gonna lie, Xander- I completely forgot about that until they brought it up. Yeah. Because I was too busy with the whole, like, you know fucking a building down yeah <laughs> um really hard to go back to <laughs> random diamond theft after that yeah. um so i say xander anya and buffy are researching it's really just xander and buffy because anya has slipped some bridal magazines into the books she's reading and is actually wedding planning i do love that one of the uh one of the magazines is called bride and joy that's a good one <laughs> that's nice it's almost as good as Womb There It Is from, <laughs> I love from Womb there the it Parks is. and Rec. <laughs> Womb There It Is is one of the funniest like Psych sight gags, gags uh, on a show that had quite a few funny yeah. sight gags. Yeah, there were... Although, I'd say The Good Place gave, tried to give it a run for its money. Oh, yeah. The Joni loves tchotchkes. <laughs> that's, that's like A+. plus. Yeah. <laughs> the Good Place had... Uh, the Good Place had two things that uh parks and rec didn't have in that department one was just the opportunity for yeah, the more stuff storefronts like exactly and the second was megan gans on the writing team who was obsessed with those puns because <laughs> um, i'm pretty sure she was the one who came up with like all of them <laughs> i think she just had like a list that she just kept adding to um so uh the um uh we do learn that uh, Martha Stewart is not a demon, but she is a witch. Um, I I love whenever Anya gets to use her her demon knowledge. Uh-huh. I also love that like Xander's trying to make a point, but the but the revelation that Martha Stewart is a witch just like stops him <laughs> in his tracks. Like, wait, really? It's like, yeah. I mean, you can't do that much decoupage without summoning a demon. Yeah. <laughs> um, she. Uh, She's trying to decide if she wants traditional, uh, traditional human bridesmaids dresses or the traditional demon uh, burlap larvae sacks. Uh, Buffy tries to have an opinion on the matter, and Xander and Anya both are like, "No." <laughs> that's why. Uh, that's why. Like, put one more point in for me happy being a man because. Uh, that means I'm typically at when I am asked to be in a wedding, it is in the um, groomsman role, and those are all fairly standard like tuxes. Yeah, but with bridesmaids' dresses, you never know what you're gonna get. Um, and uh, I've if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. Like girls want 
pockets on their dresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we didn't have any dresses in our wedding. Yeah, I know. I was there. <laughs> I was wearing one of the not dresses. Yeah. <laughs> those were nice suits that we had. Oh, no, we I looked was, amazing. I was really pleased with how those yeah. suits came. I out. love the picture of... Um, of uh, you, of your groom's party, yeah. um, because it's like it's like some of my best friends, yeah. and we're all looking nice. It, we did look nice. Damn <laughs> good that day. Um, it was a fun way. That keep us in mind is Harrison John know how to put on a wedding. So yeah. If, so if it doesn't work out, and one of y'all wants to marry them, you're in for a good. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Uh, uh, Xander is. Uh, uh, concerned about uh, about Willow. He asks where she is. Buffy tells them that she stayed out all night with Amy. And Buffy, and this is once again, we're kind of getting into these parallels where um, just note that most of the time when Buffy is talking about Willow, she's also talking about herself. Um, but she's like, Willow's an adult. She should be allowed to do what she wants to do without us being all judgmental. And Xander's like, not being judgmental. I am concerned for her because she's really getting into dangerous stuff. Um, it is really hard to kind of take that Xander point seriously, not because of Nicholas Brennan's delivery or anything, but just the lack of Xander and Anya over these last couple of episodes. Yes. Because it felt like they both had, well, Anya had a very significant role in Tabula Raza, um, but it, it really felt like we haven't, like, gotten any actual Xander Anya stuff since Once More with Feeling. Yeah. And that's like, you know, they have their trepidations about getting married and all their other personal stuff that's going yeah. on. But it really does feel like, especially in these in this episode and in Smash, that you know, we get like maybe one scene yeah. with This is literally their yeah, only scene. One in this scene with Anya and Xander and it's only in service of the Willow storyline and Subsequently, or uh, consequently, consequently, the uh, Buffy storyline because mm-hmm. Buffy's just like, oh, I'm I'm staying with him instead of going out with Spike. Yeah, and now that was in Smash, and now in this one, it's like, oh, I'm I'm like trying to put my guilt out there and why I shouldn't like feel guilty about it. Yeah, even though we're talking about Willow, it's like I I agree with Xander's point, but you're right. Like we haven't seen him, and he keeps saying he's concerned about Willow, but we have we have not gotten a scene of them talking or, or him trying to talk to her. Um, yeah, him and Anya really have gotten sidelined in the last couple of episodes, um, and and that's yeah. it's a so little frustrating to that we're we've got you know Willow going through such a crisis, and obviously Buffy's there for her. And it helps they live in the same house. But, like, it feels weird that Xander is not more present in the storyline. Is this the first time we see, like, the true blonde Anya? Or was that last episode? I think it was last episode. Okay. I think so. Her hair changes so much. Well, like, (laughs) I mean... Mild spoilers. There's, like, a joke made about it at the end of the season. About, like, Mm -hmm. how she changed her hair. And I noticed that, like, it was very, like, light blonde. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's been pretty dirty blonde for for a while. And it's, yeah, it's gotten really light. I think, <clears throat> I, I'm pretty sure I saw this somewhere that 
Anya has like the most number of like cha- hair changes in both like cut color and style uh, of any character on uh, either show, I think. And do you know who number two is? It's not Spike. Spike's is pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not obvious, but once I say their name, you're going to go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's Oz. Because he dyes right, his hair dies so his hair. frequently. Uh, yeah, I guess I just wouldn't think of that because, you know, he's yeah. only on the show for, like... A relatively short yeah, amount of time. A, a season... Uh, maybe, like, cumulatively two whole seasons. Yeah. Um, and and with his hair, it's just the color that changes. His style remains pretty, um, yeah, pretty Seth, Yeah, Seth Green's hair is Seth Green's hair. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, also, I don't think his hair was ever green. No? At least not on Buffy. Yeah. I, I can't speak to the whole of his life, but... Um, um, that night, uh, Willow and Amy go out. Will, Amy wants to keep on magicking it up. Willow's kind of tapped out. And this is really where this, the drug stuff starts. Um, she suggests they go see Rack, a warlock who deals in magic drugs. No, I've been calling him Rex. (laughs) How were you? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Maybe that's because I was, like, thinking that it tied into the actual episode name. Oh, that could have been fun. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Um, And the... um, Mulu goes along pretty pretty quickly. Um, Now let's think about timeline here. Amy has been a rat since season three, um, outside of a split second in season four. Uh, So this means that she's been going to see this guy since she was in high school. Well, I mean, Rack does make the comment that, like, he knew that she had turned herself into a rat, probably because the last time she talked to him, he, like, said to her, I told you not to mess with stuff like that. So, yeah, she's been... And, you know, given the fact that her that Amy's mom was well, a little like, uh, like Miss Mrs. White, <laughs> um, was that Carrie's last name? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Seems how her mom was like a little bit towards the Mrs. White angle. Then uh, I can totally get her like wanting to do magic, just not near her mom. Yeah. It's just. Um... I don't know. I guess it's it's always a little weird to me when I think about this because, like, it doesn't necessarily seem super consistent with what we see of her in seasons one, two, and three. On the other side of that, she's on, like, one episode each season, so we don't really know that much about her. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like, I don't even know if, like, the... If maybe the writers were just kind of waiting for an opportunity to bring Amy back and this just happened to be it. Yeah. Um, oh, it's probably like because you know they made the Amy the Rat references so many times over the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to bring her back at this juncture, yeah. which I think we talked about in depth last week. But um, oh yeah. Speaking of which, this is also the first time that Amy appears more than once a season. Uh, up through season four, she was a once a season character, and she doesn't make any appearances in season five. And in, now she's in non-rat form. Uh, in non-rat form, yeah. Now she's semi-recurring. 
Uh, but yeah, they go to Rack's lair, which is cloaked uh, and also apparently moves. Uh, you have to be, um, you know, Willow and Amy are able to find it. You know, just they are able to kind of sense it uh, with magic. Apparently, and, vampires can also sense it. Yeah, um, uh, but not slayers. Um, Even recently re- resurrected ones. So they go in, and it's just—I mean, it's just a heroin den. Like that is. Yeah, no, it's, and again, this goes back to the whole, like, you know, you could have made it, like, some kind of, like, analog in the Buffy world that didn't seem, like, so on the nose, but no, it it literally just, you could have taken this scene out of, like, Breaking Bad Season 2 if you wanted to. Yeah. So, and, you know, I want to make it very clear to our listeners that, you know, addiction is a very, very serious topic. Yeah. And you know when I when we're discussing this, we are discussing our problem. The quality with of the story, the story, yeah, and not you know the the larger issue surrounding addiction. Yeah. Um, and in fairness, I would say the quality of the story is a bit insulting to the the actual topic of addiction. Yeah, when you have it look, it really does seem like it's being the story is being told to you by people who have like like you said have only seen movies of uh of addiction and like didn't actually think about the story yeah um fun little trivia uh rack is played by jeff cober who has previously appeared on the show he played the vampire uh kralik in helpless okay i was about to say like that name sounded familiar Mm -hmm. um you can really like Obviously, he was, like, all vamped up in that episode, so the look isn't quite the same, but the voice is very distinct. Um, that and he was the vampire that was set against Buffy uh-huh. for the for the test. Yeah. That's such a good episode. It is. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, this whole scene, you know, like, he's, like, magically spinning Amy around, which is... Uh, that looked terrible. It looked awful. It looked awful. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, not only are you, like, riding this poorly... You're also showing it poorly too. Um, I recently, so I'm rewatching. Uh, I'm in like the middle of a rewatch of Doctor Who, uh, the revival series, and I just got to um, the series seven premiere, which is Asylum of the Daleks, which is a really strong episode uh, outside of a very shoehorned in Amy Rory breakup storyline that's introduced and resolved in that episode in a really lazy way but regardless there's a scene where amy is like hallucinating she goes into one a room with several daleks but she's like seeing them as humans and there's one of them that's like a ballerina she's seeing a ballerina spinning but then in like reality it's just the dalek like spinning in circles and when i when i saw amy spinning amy uh this Amy, yeah. Buffy Amy, not Doctor Who Amy. Amy I literally right. was like, oh yeah, it's like that spinning Dalek in the episode I watched a couple days ago. For a minute, I thought you were like just going to talk about how the quality of special effects like catapulted after the David Tennant era. Yeah. It's like they got a little bit better as you progressed from like Chris Freckleston to David Tennant, but the difference between like even the end of time part mm-hmm. two and the Big Bang, is that what... Or no, no 11th uh, Hour. 11th Hour, yeah. Yeah, like, Matt Smith's first episode, which is, like... 
you know, I don't even think they were that far apart, like, date, air date-wise. No. Like, less than a year. Yeah. And it was, it's like night and day. You're like, holy crap, they just, like, it looked like they doubled the budget. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance they, they did. I mean, around the, Matt, like, the, the end of the David Tennant years into the Matt Smith years was kind of the, the peak of its popularity. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that's why, like, David Tennant kind of, like, brought everybody back to Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and Matt Smith was the one who benefited from it. Yeah. Um, and I suspect we're going to see a similar kind of resurgence in uh, popularity uh, after the 60th, uh, for the same reason. Yeah. Um, well, more, more than likely, um, Russell T. Davies uh, is probably the... Because uh, at this point, like, I feel like anybody who's watching Doctor Who is more concerned about the showrunner at this point than the actor playing the doctor. I Yes, I think you're pretty accurate in that statement. Um, anywho, uh, anywho, <laughs> um, Willow's on the ceiling, uh, which, uh, that's the part that felt the most train spotting to me because of the baby on the ceiling yeah. and train spotting. Except train spotting is a very, very good movie. Although... Not one that I can watch very often. Cause... Like, I know that I've seen it. Because I know that I've watched through the movie. But there's not a lot I remember from it. Apart from, like, Ewan McGregor coming out of that toilet. Ugh. The worst toilet in Scotland. <laughs> uh, one of the reasons that that movie is, while very good, not a frequent frequent rewatch. Because it's, it's an intense film. <laughs> I fell in the toilet. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it's just... I mean, I feel like we've said what we need to say about this. It's it's silly. It's... The metaphor is labored. Um, yeah, it feels like it is both labored and lazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it feels like they went all, very much out of their way to make it, like... As... As easy to digest as possible, and... Yeah. Somehow they just like went too far. <laughs> yeah. Um, at, uh, the next day, uh, Willow wakes up in her alone. She has a good cry in the shower scene. I love a good cry in the shower scene. Um, and uh, this is actually a scene I actually uh, I liked a lot. She takes some of Tara's clothes, which she had mentioned earlier that they were still there. And she magically, like, manipulates them to take on, like, Tara's form. Yeah. And just holds her while she cries. And th- and it was frustrating because I was, like, watching that, which was very emotional and very... I was like, it's so... It's all undercut by the other stuff. And it's like, how good would this have been? <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, again, and that just goes to show, like... We, we know what Willow's real problem is, and all of this drug stuff just almost is like a, a smokescreen to get to, mm-hmm. to get to, like, the problem. Yeah. Um, alright. I'm gonna read from the Buffy, directly from the Buffy Wiki for this one. Alright. Dawn makes some interesting food. <laughs> um, correct. <laughs> Dawn is trying to make uh, peanut butter and banana quesadillas. Um, Don also inexplicably hates spatulas 
and is trying to flip it just on its own. Oh. All right. So what I'm assuming is that obviously these tortillas were not handmade. She like has a bag of tortillas and just like, you know, oils up a pan and throws it in there. And I don't know, maybe she's just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> she like she probably is just like, oh, you know, it's big and it's like not touching and you know, like one side isn't touching the pan, mm-hmm. like only the bottom side is. So if I just like move it, I don't even need to get a spatula out. What do you what do you want to bet that before Willow like walked in, she was trying to like flip it, like, oh, absolutely. like, like toss it and flip it. Yeah. Um, and then we're seeing like after several failures, and she's like <laughs> she's just been really, really stubborn like about yeah. it at this point. Um but uh However, not a bad idea. I mean yeah. I I think, fine. I think the tortilla is a is a very good delivery system for anything, not yeah. just necessarily Mexican food. So you put one of my favorite sandwiches on there, which is the uh, peanut butter banana sandwich. I could I could get down yeah. with that sickness. Get a little Nutella in there too, or like to dip it in. Um, I yeah, I I just I think it sounded good, Don. I think so. Every time I like explain to people my peanut butter preferences, it. The peanut butter and banana, like, usually gets factored into it. Okay. So, a lot of people say you either have to be crunchy or smooth. No. <laughs> Jason is here to tell you. You, you can, don't have... You can... You don't have... One, you don't have to stick to it. And honestly, it's not... I don't recommend that you do stick to one type of peanut butter. For me, if I'm making a standard peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that is the perfect time to use crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> Extra crunchy if you're feeling a little spicy. Um... <laughs> But if you are using peanut butter in any other context, that's when your creamy goes a long way. Like um, that's when uh, like your peanut butter banana sandwiches are throwing some peanut butter into like a recipe for cookies or um, a smoothie. Uh, I believe that is the for the pure peanutty peanutty flavor, um, which you obviously want in your PB and J sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's perfect for, that's perfect for your like crunchy. But for the more utilitarian uh, peanut butter usage, that's when you use smooth and creamy. In this episode of Booze and Buffy, Jason takes down the peanut butter binary. <laughs> <laughs> he says all peanut butters matter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what is your opinion on that? By the way, um, I I would say if I like have a preference. I, I lean towards uh, towards creamy peanut butter, but I agree with you that like crunchy has its place. With like you said, with peanut butter and banana, I feel like crunchy peanut butter contrasts nicely with like the squishiness of the banana. Okay, you know, so, my problem is it's like it's a little too it's a little too contrasting. Okay. Like I said, like I feel like um, apart from your jellies and jams, uh, your Creamy peanut butter is probably like the best delivery system for whatever kind of sandwich you're making. Um, well, regardless, I'm disappointed in Don for throwing this out. I thought it sounded good. Yeah. Um, but you know, Willow and Don uh, decide to go see a movie together. Um, they and dinner and dinner. Yeah. yeah. I and Don is like the way she perks up when she's like, "Oh, you want to hang out with me?" It's just like, oh, this girl is lonely. Like. I think it's more along the lines of maybe not lonely, but really wanting for the 
for like what ha- what was before Tabula Raza. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she does have the Terra portion of that, but um, obviously Will is dealing with the breakup. So, yeah. um, and, you know, I think Terra is able to make time for Dawn because not to, not to be kind of mean about it, but I don't think Terra has anybody else. So it's easier for her to make time for mm-hmm. Dawn. Um, whereas Willow, you know, well, Willow's got Amy. Yeah. Um, and uh, Willow also has, like, the other Scooby stuff as well, even though there hasn't been a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff going on yeah. as of late. Um, Buffy gets home and uh, finds that Amy has broken in and is stealing some of uh, Willow's uh, magical supplies including a bag of sage, which, it's a lazy joke, but I did have to admit I laughed when uh, Amy's like, it's not what you think it is, it's sage. And Buffy, I think it's all in Sarah's delivery of, that is what I think it is. Yeah, no, like, it's a fun little throwaway joke, but again, it's like, oh, we needed another, like, drug reference. Yeah, and and she's just act- she's acting all jittery and, like, like, I half expected to see her, like, scratching her arm at one point. Like, yeah. it was just... Um, and I don't, I don't blame um, Elizabeth Ann Allen who plays Amy, but it's, I mean, she's playing what she's given, and what yeah. she's given is bad. you could say that for everybody in this in this episode. Yeah. Um. So Buffy, uh, Buffy tells her uh, tells Amy off, um, but also learns from Amy about Rack, um, and that Willow has gone there and has taken Dawn with her. Um, and and also that uh, Rack doesn't see anybody apart from Willow. Yeah. And should be noted, like uh, in the scene, in the initial scene with Rack, um, and I think this might be why Willow's reaction is different to everybody else's, mm-hmm. um, and why it seems stronger. Uh, because you know he says, "Oh, you got to give a little to get a little." So what they do is like it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Willow benefiting from it. It is Rack. And, like, you know, I'm pretty sure Willow has more magic in her than anybody else. Yeah. So I think that makes Rack much more easier. Like, obviously, he wants more access to that power. And I think what he gives back to her is, like, magnified. Yeah. And, yeah, we did kind of gloss over that. That, yeah, when they get there, he is immediately drawn to her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, her and at first it seems like, and at first it seems like uh, it's a lazy metaphor for um, the, uh, like, oh, yeah, when when one of your, like, clients brings somebody new who isn't, like, hooked on it yet, it's like, oh, here's another customer. Yeah. But then it, like, turns into something more. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of gross sexual undertones too that are just yeah. ugh. I didn't like. I, I don't like when he calls her strawberry. It's ugh. It's creepy. Um, but yeah, they have dinner. Uh, well, Dawn has dinner. Uh, Willow doesn't actually eat. Um, Willow kind of uh, get, tries to get some information about Tara for, out of Dawn. Uh. uh just asked her what they talked about when they had their milkshake uh, day. And, you know, Dawn tells her she's, uh, she's, you know, she's met, or that Tara's sad. And I, I mean, I get it, but I, 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 don't, I don't think Willow needs to be bringing Dawn in, into the middle of this. 
it's not good for Dawn. It Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's But I mean, you've seen this before in like in divorced parents. Mm-hmm. It's like Oh yeah. Um well, you actually have. <laughs> yeah. But no, like I mean in the in like depictions of divorced parents, um especially if there's like somebody new in one parent's life mm-hmm. and the other parent is like, Oh, how's your uh like how how's your mom doing? He's like, Oh, she's doing all right and like her and uh, her and David. It's like, oh, who's David? Yeah. And it's like, you know, you shouldn't be hearing this from your child. And yeah. You shouldn't be asking for this from your child. And it's it's a totally natural human thing to do. I think I you know, I don't think people even realize that that's what they're doing, but um but yeah, it's like, you know, the way cuz Tara kind of does it a little bit as well. I think she's less uh as she's more subtle about it than Willow is here but and I think and as much as Tara loves Dawn I really do think that the reason that Tara stayed that whole night with with Dawn was because she was hoping to see Willow Mm -hmm. yeah right up until she actually saw Willow and then and then she's like oh no I left for a reason (laughs) so uh that rat girl they go to (laughs) Um, I do love when um, when they're in the kitchen and she's like, it's Amy, Amy the rat. And she's like, sorry. And Amy's just like, no, it's fair. I was a rat. rat. <laughs> it's just what it is. I own it. <laughs> um, so yeah, they arrive. Uh, they uh, Willow takes them to Rax. She just needs to pop in real quick. Don't worry, they won't miss the movie. It starts at nine. They have plenty of times. And who cares if we miss the trailers? And then I think maybe the saddest thing I've... Dawn just says the saddest thing I've ever heard, which is, I like the trailers. I Props to Michelle Trachtenberg for making me feel like having yet another, like, oh, poor Dawn. She just wants to go to the movies and watch the trailers. I will say, though, she's probably not missing much because she did just see a movie with Tara. That's true. And... Something tells me that of the movies that Dawn is going to go see, there's probably a lot of overlap in probably. the trailers. But no, I mean, girl girl wants to go see trailers. Let's see, we're in November of 2001, so... Mm, they maybe she went to go see Harry Potter. I was literally about to say, they might be going to see Harry Potter, because that's when that was released, right? Yeah, and so you probably would have had a Lord of the Rings trailer in there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, both were WB. Yeah. Um... Honestly, that's like the most I remember. I don't think going to one of those you would see a you would see a uh, a trailer for like a Beautiful Mind or something. No, like I wonder what the next Disney movie that is coming out is because uh, would Lilo Dino- and Stitch? Dinosaur came out in two thousand. I think Lilo and Stitch might have been next. Okay, so that would have been because that would have been like summer two thousand two. I think so. Okay. Um. I actually tried to look up what movie Willow and Tara saw, or Don and Tara saw, because Tara make, Don makes a reference to, like, the inner city kids teaching their coach a lesson or something. Was that Coach Carter? Maybe. I, I nothing, uh, nothing stood out to me when I was looking at a list of... No, that was 2005. Okay. Yeah. Nothing stood out to me when I was looking at a list of films that came out around the time that that episode was being... was aired, so... Um, they might not have been making a reference to anything in particular, um, but who knows? Uh, so yeah, uh, this short visit though, uh, 
uh, is not short. And they are there for several hours. Well, like they say that the movie's going to start at 9. So let's say that like maybe it's 8.30 because Dawn mm-hmm. is in a rush and looks like they're walking. Um, it's only a little after 10 when we see the clock. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's like several hours, but it's definitely past movie time. Yeah. And longer than Dawn was willing to wait. And I do love the like... You know, that junkie comes and sits right next to her. She just immediately gets up. She's like, ew. Um, (laughs) All that was missing was an audible ew. Yeah. Um, While Willow is in her little session, though, she does, um, the vision she's having turn pretty nightmarish. Uh, And she is... a demon. She sees a demon and she screams. Um, Over at Spike's crypt, he is nude. Um, a lot of that going on in this episode. Of, uh, and uh, Buffy comes in uh, and she explains to him. Apparently she was yelling for him to wake up. She finally had to throw like a candle, a candle at him. Um, she, you know, it is interesting uh, how, you know, he's this typical smarmy self up until she says uh, she starts talking about Rack. And he gets, like, serious pretty quick because he recognizes the name. He knows who that is. And he knows that it's bad news. Well, again, like, and also he cares about Dawn. He does. And yeah. so, like, the minute that, like, she does say, like, oh, Dawn's gone missing. He's like, again. <laughs> you need to put a low jack on that girl. <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is why we always need a babysitter for Dawn. <laughs> right? You know what? It's you, it's it's starting to sound very reasonable. <laughs> she goes missing far too often. <laughs> Um, we already had a joke about it once more with feeling. Yeah. Um, but he agrees. Uh, he agrees to help her. She's been trying to find it on her own, but was having no luck. Um, so they go off to search. Uh, Dawn comes out of Rex's uh, place. Uh, and Dawn is pissed. And uh, Willow... She just wants to go home. She just wants to go home. Willow just wants to wander through alleys. Um, and, uh, like I said, she's just acting very, like, she's just acting like she's drunk. God, I've um, been in a couple of those situations where I'm, like, with some people and they're, like, not in the best of shape. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, and I don't have access to my car. And I'm, like, I, and this is before the ride sharing and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just want to go home. And they're, like, no, no, we're going to hang out here for a little while. And I'm, like, ugh. Yeah. It's never, like, been as bad as it is now, which is why, like, I'm typically the designated driver um, at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, last time, I, last time I was a designated driver, though, a friend threw up in my car. I remember that. <laughs> um, I remember you telling me that. I, I was not the friend. <laughs> he was not the friend. <laughs> no, um, Harrison has fortunately never thrown up in my car. Yeah. Either one that I've had in the time that I've known you. Yeah. Um, we... Uh, we did get a brief scene of like helping Buffy where he does ask her if you know he's if she's just using this as an excuse to to spend time with him and and she asks like are you making this last longer so that you can spend time with me and yeah it's like I mean yeah Spike is honest about it but it doesn't make it less gross yeah because he's like look I love you I know you don't love me, but I'm in. But I'm in you now. You let me in. Yeah. Ew. Uh, and uh, it's like I know where you live. Ew. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's just it's it's not good. Like it is. The more I watch these scenes, the more I'm like, I really need to check in on my friends who are Buffy Spike shippers. <laughs> yeah, it's. It, it, that's the thing. I think it's, especially I. I want to say that especially when for a younger viewer, I think it's so easy to get caught up in that like in the drama of it without really understanding what the actual dynamics are like. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I would say, like, to a less degree, maybe uh, the Jess-Rory relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I'm not gonna lie, Jess is one of my favorite characters in Gilmore Girls. Um, and I think that... And I do... I do like the fact that he's a bit of a bad boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously, like, vibes with Rory... Much more than Dean ever does. Yeah, that that's right. That's right. Rory Dean shivers. <laughs> I'm throwing that out do they there. Exist? They do. <laughs> okay. They really do. If you watch YouTube, if you look at YouTube comments, they are out there. No, I don't. <laughs> um, but no, like I, I will very much admit that um, there was some stuff that Jess did both, like while Rory was dating Dean, and while he and Rory were dating, that was not cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, objectively, he was a pretty bad boyfriend for her. He, he was, but like, but then the thing was, is that he, you know, became a better person. Yeah. Honestly, became the guy that she really should have been with, and probably will end up with if you like see the parallels between Lorelai and Luke and Rory and Jess. Yeah. Um, and not that like. And Christopher and Logan. Yeah. Ugh. God, Logan. It's so funny, as we're watching, it's John's first time watching the show, he's like, he's constantly just like, he's like, I can hear him reminding himself, he's he's terrible, he's terrible, he's so pretty, he's so pretty, he's terrible, don't fall for him, Harry. Like, you tell him, Logan? <laughs> yeah. He's, oh, he's told me, he's like, that is the type of guy that, like, I dated in college, that, like, shitty ass, but really pretty. He was like, I always fall for him, and then they were dicks, and like... I mean, and then he went, I've mm-hmm. kind of... I've kind of fallen for the female side of that <laughs> um, on mo- on multiple occasions. So it's a uh, it obviously looks stupid in retrospect, but yeah. I mean, hey, when you're young, you make make dumb decisions. However, Gilmore Girls, Rory makes the dumb decisions when she's older. Yeah. Um, Willow and Dawn are confronted by this demon that Willow accidentally summoned. Uh, Willow doesn't believe it's real at first. She, uh... Even though Dawn is the one who's pointing it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, she's just like, oh, it's, it's fake. Don't she worry. doesn't even have, like, a, oh, you can see it too? That's not good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she does not understand the severity of the situation until Dawn is attacked by the demon. She gets cut, uh, on the face. Um, they... Also, I have to say... This is me not trying to like I'm I'm not trying to be cynical, but like I immediately knew, oh, that is specifically there to show that Dawn like to basically show that like this is like Dawn was in danger because of Willow. Like oh, yeah. that that is why there's just the one random scratch on her face. It's so that like you've got a visual cue. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um but yeah, so they start to run. Uh Willow finds a car that she um she, magic's open. Magic's open. Magic's closed. Well, you didn't have to do that. Right? You could have just started driving and closed the doors yourself. And this is the thing where it's like, okay, magicing the doors open. Okay. They're in a dangerous situation. 
the more time, the, the, the less time they're spending doing stuff like that, fine. Um, magicking the car on, totally fine. They don't have the keys. That's a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. But Magicking the door shut is stupid. Magicking the door shut is stupid. Magic driving the car is stupid. It's completely reckless. Well, it's not reckless. Yeah, it is <laughs> wreckful. Um, <laughs> it is full of wreck. Um, and hey, there's another, like, the car ends up being wrecked. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, Jeez, Willow treats this. is so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Willow treats this like a fucking joyride. Um, she's laughing. She's having the fucking time of her life while Dawn is screaming. She is terrified, rightfully so. Um, you know, it gets to the point where I, I wonder if Dawn's almost like, "Am I safer with Willow or with back with the demon?" Like, um, and she gets an answer when the car is the car is wrecked. Yeah. She gets out and then the demon's there to just throw her. Yeah. So it's like, oh, either way, I would have been fucked. Yeah. Um, luckily, though, Buffy arrives. Uh, she's a hero, so she arrives just in the nick of time. She's uh, She fights the demon. It's an okay fight. I wasn't the best, but nothing about it really stood out to me being like bad or anything. It was just kind of a standard demon fight. Yeah. And um, the demon's quite forgettable as well. It it's is. It's not even really scary. Nah. Um, but uh, Willow uh, Spike tends to Dawn, and Willow comes to. I guess it should be noted that like the demon is there because Willow summoned it. Yes, yeah. Inadvertently, while hi. Um, uh, but the uh, the demon is killed uh, by Willow. She incinerates it, and um, yeah, we get we get this scene that's pretty intense. Um. Buffy's uh, uh, very concerned about Dawn for good reason. She's, you know, she's got the cut from the demon, but she's also all bloodied up from the wreck. She's um, clearly injured her arm. We find out later she uh, she fractured her wrist, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we see her, like, struggling with it. I do love that it's just a really sweet moment when Buffy tries to look at it and Dawn just kind of yells in pain and jerks away and she's just, she just, uh, Buffy just says, honey, I have to look at it. Um, and she's just so soft with her. I, it's it's nice. Um, she's so soft with Dawn. Qu- quite the contrast with how she uh, how she speaks to uh, Willow, and and I don't blame her. I yeah, think Willow like deserves they, everything that they, happens to yeah, her in this scene. Yeah, this scene has the hardness of Buffy, um, and honestly, the first time that we've seen Buffy show any type of authority. Mm-hmm. since she's come back to life like everything has been just an absolute mess a confusing mess mm-hmm. but um when dawn is in danger and it's because of willow yeah that's like you need to get yourself the fuck together yeah yeah she tells her to stay away from dawn dawn slaps her when she tries to talk to her and I wonder apologize. if that's an, i wonder if that's an oh so subtle reference to jaws you know, like when the oh. when Sheriff Brody gets slapped. Yes, I was like, I, I don't know. For some, I was thinking like, I was thinking like the name. I don't know why, but I was thinking of the names of the boats. I was like, no, it's called the boat's called the Orca. There's not a boat called the Dawn or the Willow. I don't, I don't know where my brain was. Um, because like when they did the whole ass crack bandit episode yeah. of of Community and Troy slaps Starburns, like that is 
a direct reference to Jaws. Yeah. And so I can't help but think that like maybe this is a tiny little reference to Jaws. I love that fucking episode so much. And not to take us on a tangent, but I fully, I am firmly on team Annie was the ass crack band. I know you are. Although I did see a compelling argument that there is no one ass crack bandit. Um, uh, the Zodiac Killer. The, yeah. They, which was what the entire point of that episode yeah, was. Is that every cracking was done by a different member of the study group, um, thinking that they were just hiding their own crime within the uh, w- within the, the, the larger thing where it's actually... So, so who did it? Uh, they all did it! <laughs> I farted. I farted. I, I'm not doing the Spartacus thing, okay? I farted. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> Harrison and I are referencing two very good yeah. <laughs> uh, Both very funny, though. Yep. Um, so yeah, they take Dawn after basically telling, yeah, telling Willow to get your fucking shit together. Um, they take Dawn to the doctor. But I gotta say, um, Allison Hannigan, I mean, again, she does not have good material in this episode, but I don't think that this scene is overplayed at all. No. Like, I think, like, the complete breakdown of Willow is done very well. Yeah. She... Finally, it only take took nearly getting Dawn killed. Um, she finally has seen is understanding the consequences of her actions, um, which is alarming. How many times it took that it, you know it, and but I, I will say based on how cavalier she was after the events of Tabula Rasa and after other similar situations. Um, it was going to take something really big to finally get through to her. And I just from a storytelling and character perspective, I think, you know, I think the I think Dawn specifically is the character who unfortunately has to get hurt really, really badly for this to really sink in for, yep. for Willow. Um, so sorry, Dawn, you're the you're the innocent of the group, so <laughs> So that's just how storytelling works. Yep. <laughs> um, at home, Willow's in bed. She's kind of, uh, we can tell she's showered again. She had a another sadness shower. Um, she's kind of wrapped up in a blanket. And Buffy comes in and uh, much softer this time. Yeah. Um, she's had, clearly she's had the time to calm down. And, um, and I do, I like this too. Like I appreciate her hardness and her coldness to Willow in the in the scene before because I think it was warranted for the situation but I do appreciate that after she knows that Dawn is fine and she's had the time to collect herself that she comes to check on Willow and honestly like this is this is more important Buffy uh, development than anything involving with the Spike storyline because you know in the last two episodes in the only Xander and Anya scenes like they're te- like, well, I say they're Xander and sometimes Anya are like specifically saying like, hey, it's not going great. Like, uh, you know, worried about Willow being with Amy, and uh, and Buffy just kind of like says, oh, we don't know what she's going through. We don't know like, um, and then it's kind of like you know her making this strange equivalency between her and mm-hmm. her and Willow. But now that she like sees what can happen, what what can happen when Willow is just left on her, to her own devices. Mm-hmm. Now she's like, shit, I really need to, yeah, I really need to like, you know, put my foot down. Yeah. I love when Willow's talking to her. She, 
she ha- she makes that line where she she talks about how you know if you could choose to be she talks about how she was before she got into magic and she was just a no one and she was like if you could choose to be normal willow or super willow which would you choose she talks about how tara didn't even know me but then and um i love that buffy says like there's nothing wrong with like you like yeah i mean that that's who was buffy's best friend yeah at the beginning of the show um and in this all of this here is more in line with what honestly the whole episode needed to be about it needed you know this we 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 we've talked about her arrogance and her recklessness, and here we're seeing, I think what we've kind of all always known that all all, all of that is coming from a place of deep insecurity, um, and that's finally she's finally able to admit that here, um, and and like this to me is like where this all, this whole story needed to be, um, and what it needed to be about about you know. It needed to be about Willow and not this hack metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really disappointing, especially, I don't know if I've already said this on mic, but um, I do consider, for most of Buffy, I do I would consider Buffy to be the only protagonist of the show. Um, everyone else is a supporting, protag- or supporting character. Season six has two protagonists. It is Buffy and it is Willow. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and in some ways, I would argue that um, season six is more about Willow than it is about Buffy. Buffy has a really significant journey, of course, but um, Willow's is is kind of this the is focus. the Willow season. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is, um, and it's disappointing to see this major, major fumble mm-hmm. here in this episode. Um, uh, but Willow does, she says, I'm quitting. I'm not going to do the magic anymore. Um, she's not going to miss the nosebleeds and the headaches or the stinky yak cheese she has to keep in her bra. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, maybe not the best choice to just, like, break the emotion of this moment. But the fact that Allison Hannigan delivers it in the exact same tone as the all the other lines... Yeah. I actually do appreciate it works. that. Yeah, it works, um, and, and that does make Bobby just go like, "What?" I'll tell you about <laughs> it later. Ask, <laughs> um, so yeah, she's decided to quit. Um, Buffy's like, "Yeah, quitting is the answer." Um, and we end the episode on Buffy. Uh, well, first we have Willow going through withdrawal withdrawals, which I was I was like. I was like, oh yes, okay, good. This scene is like this scene is getting us back to what we need to be, and then we get into fucking withdrawal symptoms. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Ugh, just undercut everything. And, I, we and just I'm just did. like, God, man, it, I'm only like an episode or two removed from when I rewatched this on Lost with uh, Charlie's first withdrawal. Oh my gosh. At least Charlie's character arc is about being a recovering drug addict. Yeah. Like, um, uh, uh and then, yeah, we in the episode, Buffy's in her room. She has hung garlic everywhere. Uh, the grocery store, they must have been, just been like, this lady likes a lot of garlic. Um, and she's sitting in her bed with a cross. Because Spike can still get in, but uh, Buffy doesn't have a witch at her disposal to do mm-hmm. the disinvitation spell. I mean, obviously she's not going to ask Willow to do it. 
I think if Buffy really wanted to do she the could Disney, have gone to Tara. She would have gone to Tara, and but, I think Tara would have done it. Yeah, but because this and this is the thing, and that we're we're seeing with Buffy is that you know she she doesn't want it, but she also does. Yeah, which girl? I feel like, I feel yeah. Like I, I I mean I think everyone can relate. Maybe not to what's going on with her specifically, but like wanting something that you know is bad for you. Um, and being which hey literally that's what this episode is about because yeah. Willow wanted that fix alright so that is Wrecked the middle part of our smashed Wrecked gone uh, kind of trilogy of episodes uh, now that we're in it we can finally say all three of these episodes have titles related to drug slash alcohol use um, although I actually uh uh, gone, I actually kind of enjoy. Um, yeah, I was about to say like Gone's a little different. It's from... a it's a more lighthearted episode. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, anything else about this episode? Not really. I feel like we've done a fairly deep dive yeah. into it, which we always tend to do with those episodes that we don't like. And it's not just like a, oh because it's like oh because it's dumb. Yeah. It's like I, I think the the gripes that you have been making. For the past few seasons, <laughs> I I hereby acknowledge them as legit. Yeah, thank well, thank you. Um, I see you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna give this episode. Uh, two lazy metaphors out of five. Um, oh wow, that's generous. I think I do think the the parts of it that I do like. You know, are, are pushing it above. I was kind of leaning towards a one. Now I'm giving it a one and a half. I take it back. There, there were some good stuff in here that I, I did appreciate, um, but overall, it's really bad. I'll give it a one and a half as well. Um, and the half is for the little bit of good stuff that is in there, and the one is for the performances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, specifically Michelle Trachtenberg. Because, oh, you yeah. know, Michelle Trachtenberg has to do, like, the... She has to do the innocent, the playful, and mm. also the just, like, scared, pissed, all of it. Like, yeah. she's got to do the whole range of emotions. And uh, I think Allison Hannigan is obviously, like, you know, the focus of the episode. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but, like, there's so much going against this episode. And, you know, it they seem to make a big deal about... Spike and Buffy like finally having sex but honestly with how crazy the drug stuff gets with Willow you almost forget about the whole like Buffy and Spike boning yeah yeah it's a, and it's like oh yeah that's and like you know when Spike is like trying to bring it up and like dude there is just so much more to worry about <laughs> yeah. than you right now <laughs> stop thinking with your dick Spike yeah all right uh, take us out. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel, Season 3, Episode 10. Dad? Yeah. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj 357 And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in all of those instances. 
And also, don't forget. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to uh, message Harrison directly. Fuck you. <laughs> but also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we are highlighting Generation Hope. The mission of Generation Hope is to ensure all student parents have the opportunities to succeed and experience economic mobility. Generation Hope engages education and policy partners to drive systemic change and provides direct support to teen parents in colleges, uh, as well as their children through holistic two-generation programming. Visit www.generationhope.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. <laughs>